What is the opposite of bad? Good. So if you have good, there wouldn't be no good. All would be good if there was no bad. For how would you measure what is really good if there was never any bad to measure it by? And the fact that there is bad means that there must be, come on, because why would you call something bad if there wasn't something good out there? So you, to get the understanding of what is so important about obedience, we need to look at what is so important about disobedience and how we measure that. When I think of that, uh, there's a passage of scripture I want to read to start with in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to look at verses 21 through 23. It's a passage of scripture that has a lot of people puzzled. And we're not going to today talk about this passage of scripture as much as we see the, the importance of obedience. All right? A lot of people can do a lot of good things for the Lord. Are you ready for this? A lot of people can do a lot of good things for the Lord, but not be walking in obedience. Full obedience. A lot of people can talk obediently, but not walk in obedience. Can talk it. And that's what these people did. They did all these great works. That wasn't, there was something still missing. It says here, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only those who do the will of my Father now, what in that phrase, but only those who do the will of my Father, what do you think is the key word? In that phrase by itself, I'll read it again. It's up there. But only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. What is the key word? No. No. Do. You see what I mean? We all can say what is obedience. We can all talk about what is obedience. But are we doing what is obedience? You see the big difference? It's a big difference. You're taking these book bags to the school is obedience to the Lord. Well, how is that obedience? I'll tell you how. The Bible says, go and make disciples of all nations. That means doing. Go out there and plant a seed. This whole thing you're doing is to plant a seed. You don't know who God's going to work on in that school. You don't know what parent is going to be worked on. You don't know what teacher or administrator is going to be worked on in that school because of your love. To demonstrate, to help the needy in our community, to help those kids that need this. You have no clue what God's going to do with it once you do it. Our job is to do, his job is to finish what it's for. You got to get ready for some really good responses from the school because you're blessing the work of God. You're doing the work of God. You're going, you're doing. That's the key. He who does the will of my Father, anybody can talk, but not everybody does the doing. And that's where the problem lies in today. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles. You want to know why? Because even when there are those who do the kinds of things of God that the Bible talks about, 
Because God said in Isaiah, my word shall go out forth and it will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which I intended. So even from the standpoint of a person who's not ready to meet the Lord, but is doing the work of the Lord, God can still take their efforts because God honors his word. But you can see better that it come from a person who knows the Lord. And if you look at the context of this chapter, a lot of it has to do with the personal intimate time they spend with God. This is what God honors. We're going to talk about that in this series. So understanding this, we realize that just because somebody says, Lord, Lord, does, does not mean they're going to make it. But he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Can you imagine standing before God and he says, I don't have your name here. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute, Lord. We cast out devils in your name. We did this, we did that. But I, I don't know you. You want to know why? One reason why he's saying that? Because we didn't get to know him. We just went through routine. We just did what we thought, but we went on with our business. We didn't take time to personally know him. He said, I don't know you. That's a serious, that's a serious result when we stand before God. So the book of Acts, you know what the book of Acts is? What the word Acts stands for? The book of Acts stands for all the things that the church did, the apostles did. The believers did. It's called the book of Acts. Acts, things that they did, the acts they had. It's like going out and doing the acts we do today. So in the Greek, it comes from the Greek word praxis, which means it describes the great deeds of the apostles or other significant believers. That's what it means in the Greek. Classical English Greek, bring it into uh, English. So it describes the great deeds of the apostles, the book of Acts of the apostles, or other significant believers. That's all the way down to the very working church. That's what the book of Acts means. Now, here's the question. As I sit here today, in 2023, I have to ask myself the question, what were my acts this week? What were your acts this week? If a book could be written about your week, just one week out of 52, if a book could be written about one week, what would the acts of that book be? Did we just cruise along as normal or did we step it up? You know, I was driving through McDonald's this week to grab something and I saw the young lady who was waiting on me was really spry and bubbly and I told my wife, she looked like a junior higher. I mean, they must be, I'm thinking about this girl, is out, if she's not in, in junior high, I've never seen such a young girl in that window. But I don't know if she's just a small petite girl. And, and I said, well, I'm going to be praying today for you when I was getting my change. And I said, what could I pray for? She said, oh, well, you could pray for such and such. Okay, okay. So she leans forward puts her arms on the window, takes her headset off, but closes her eyes. <laughs> I've never had, in all the years I've asked servers, drive through people, I've never had anyone take the headset off, stick the body out the window, close their eyes, with cars behind us, 
closes her eyes, and so we prayed. And when I got done, she said, thank you. And she looked at me as I drove off. She was so pleased, so blessed. So there's a, now, there's an opportunity for me when I go back. I hope she's in the window again. That's one reason why I go to McDonald's. That gives me a chance to be a light at McDonald's. I want what I'm getting. And it's usually their coffee. It's my favorite coffee. I drink it every morning at home. I, I have McDonald's coffee at home. But, I, but it's an opportunity to be a light. And here's what I thought when I drove away. I told my wife, she goes, well, that was so sweet of her. I said, yeah, but it shows you how ready people are. I don't know if the girl's a Christian. We'll find out. She in that window, she will see me and we'll talk. Now, disobedience. In 1 Samuel, we're not going to read it. 1 Samuel chapters 12 through 15. 1 Samuel 12 through 15. We read about the story of Saul. He had two opportunities from God through the prophet. Through the prophet, told him from God two assignments to do. He failed in both of them in these chapters. And here's the bottom line of what Saul, the concern with Saul. What he thought, please listen carefully. Please listen carefully. This is, a, this is a turning point for a lot of people today. What he thought, and here's the tough one, and what he felt versus what God said was two different things. He didn't think the thoughts of God because he didn't listen to what God said. And so when he listened to his thoughts, his thoughts were moved into feeling that he needed to do something differently. He lied. He did wrong. He tried to justify. He probably was feeling pressure from the peers, probably feeling pressure from the soldiers. Who knows what he was thinking? But he lied and he did wrong and he disobeyed God. Folks, please bring, and me too. You know, you always understand. I told my people for years, listen, folks, the message I'm going to preach today is going to be a little tough, but I, got, I want to let you know something. God preached it to me first because I have to make sure I'm in line. He wants me to be in line. Before I stand in that pulpit to preach it to you, he wants to make sure I'm getting in line. So what I'm saying to you, if I say you today constantly, I mean us. All right? So understand that. I sometimes say you instead of us because it's about all of us. I want to make sure we make that clear. But in our thoughts and feelings today, if they're not biblical, if they're not biblical, you know, sometimes we think God has told us something, folks. We think the Spirit has showed us something. We're going to deal with that in this series. We, we've got to make sure that everything we do is surrounded by the Bible, not by our thoughts and not by our feelings, unless our thoughts and feelings are in line with God's Word. And... I just can't leave you a better message today than that. It's got to be based around God's word. A lot of people can act like they're hearing from God and saying all kinds of things, and they're not. I told you the story about the lady who was told by a prophetess she was going to have a, a, a girl. You're going to have a child, and you're going to have a girl, a boy, a boy. Remember that story? And, and, and some heads are shaking. I, okay, she was told she's going to have a boy. So I, I get up at 3.30 in the morning, I find out that this lady who was told she's going to have a boy and will have a child, that part came true in the prophecy. 
but she's coming back from vacation and, and she got stuck at a hospital at Virginia Beach ready to have the baby. So I got in my car at 3.30 in the morning, drove down there. She said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I just happened to be in the neighborhood and I wanted to visit you. And we had a conversation. She had the baby, had a baby girl. And, and so she said, I have a question for you. She said, why is it that I was told I'd have a child and I did, but in the prophecy, I was told I was going to have a little boy. And she said, I painted my room blue. I got all blue stuff. I got all boy clothes waiting when we get home. And I've got a girl. So I, I called my friend who I went to the service with up in Wilmington for this prophecy and our prophetess that was speaking. And she says, well, honey, I think God, he must have just changed his mind. Now, do you do you see the danger in that. I said, sister, let me get something straight with you now. God did not change his mind. God wasn't wrong. The prophet was wrong. And I can show you in the scripture many times where people said that they felt this, they feel this, they face of God, they feel the spirit, but, you, but it goes right against God's word. It's going against God's word. Wake up! Smell the coffee. Not everything you're hearing in prophecy is of God. Folks, it's not of God. You think it's of God because it stirred you. You felt something. You felt, oh, oh, oh. But is it of God? We had a man in our church one time that was going to the altar. He he would pray. And I had a woman walk up, would stand beside him at the altar. And she said, yeah, I would go to the altar. And I'd stand beside him because you could just feel the presence of God in his life. So I thought if I stood near him, it'd just come into my life. And I said to her, and she didn't know what I knew. The man was a child predator. He was, he was, sexually advanced against kids in our church, and he ended up in Smyrna prison. He's out now, out of the state. They won't let him back in Delaware. I was connected to it because I'm the pastor of the church at the time. But if you heard this man pray, you'd think, oh, my goodness. Woo! Glory to God. Let's get around this man. He was a child predator. You, 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 listen, be careful what you think. Be careful what you feel. Make sure it lines up to the word. Don't stop God's work from advancing. Don't stop God's work. Don't, don't deny this school an opportunity to be touched by the people of God in this community because they need God in this school. When the first phone call I got when I called the school, the first voice number you, you dial is for uh, what was it I said that? Huh? Mental health. Why is that the first person I would want to talk to in your school? Shouldn't that be the last one on the list? Why is it the first one? Because this is what they're dealing with. Someone needs to pour the love of God into this community and into these opportunities. All around us, folks, pour out the love of God because they need it. They need it. I'm so sorry I got off on that a little bit, but it's what the Lord has laid on my heart for today. So here Samuel does this. Now watch this. If my thoughts and my feelings today aren't biblical, then who and what determines what is of God? Now think about it. 
If my thoughts and feelings don't line up with God's word, who determines what is of God? By what someone says? Oh, I said, remember I told you about the girl when I was talking to her about some scripture and, and I showed her right in the Bible and she knew I was right. But then she said, well, I don't care what the Bible says. I care what someone told me. I care about how I was raised. I'm going by what I was taught. But she couldn't disagree that the Bible said the opposite. But I don't care what the Bible says. Ladies and gentlemen, you better start caring about what the Bible says. Or you're not going to have a church in this town. Because they will wipe you out. This community and some of the things that's coming down the pike of Delaware, you don't want to be signed by the governor soon. You do not. And I'm telling you, it's going to affect your church. It's going to affect your church. Mark my word. Be aware. It's going to affect your church and our church and our schools, private schools in Delaware. You don't want this bill signed and it's ready to be signed. Please pray, 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 pray. Folks, get out of this dormancy. Get out of this laid back. Get out of this laziness. Whatever it is that might be going on in our church today, countrywide, worldwide, get out of it. Get going. Get lively. Get active because it's not pleasant what's around the corner. And that's not a prophecy from God. It is the word of God, which is a prophecy of God. Read this when you're hearing all these prophecies out there. Read this. This is the prophetic book. And a lot of things they're saying are not in the Bible. It's like they're saying there's a new wave, there's a new Bible being spoken. You can't get away from the Bible that's been written. You've got to stay with what's been written, not by a new Bible that's being spoken. Because they think we're living a different... Did you know that it's been said by one preacher on TV? I had no clue I was going to say some of this, but the reason why God is pushing my spirit today. We have a minister on TV who's actually said, if Jesus was living today, he actually said this. I heard it. I didn't read it. I heard it. I saw it with my own eyes. If Jesus was living today, he would not have written the Bible the way he written, wrote it in the, when it was written. He would have written it differently. You know what would have been written to? The faith movement. Name it, grab it, bag it, snag it. You do what I say, God, not what your word says. He, would, he said Jesus would have written the Bible differently for today. Yet God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. There will be no rewriting of the Bible, but they're speaking a rewriting of the Bible. Pay attention not to just what is said. Pay attention to what is written. So what is disobedience? Finally, I get to it. Here we go. So you got to let me squeeze in an extra week here soon, Brother Chris. I'm going to have to go. Mm. Disobedience is determining and usurping my will above God's will and his word. I'm going to say it again. Disobedience is determining and usurping. That means I'm taking action on it. Our will above God's will and word. 
So obedience is a journey of acts, your acts, my acts during the week, of obeying God's word along the journey of the Christian's, Christian's life. So every week, a little booklet can be written, what were my acts? Next week, at the end of the week, what were my acts? At the end of the week, next week, what was my acts? What did I do? What did I do? Did I do anything? Did I, was it, did it make sense? You know why I asked that girl, if there anything I could pray for today? I'm going to be praying for my food. I have to pray for you. Again, while I didn't expect her to lean out the window, take her headset off and do it, and I looked in the window and I got done praying, there's a car waiting to get through the line. And I'm thinking, you know what, Lord, that is so beautiful. That, that's, that, you, you know what that is? Well, and when I write my chapter at the end of the week, when I write my little booklet of my acts, that would be one of the acts that was there. Oh, I've got more from this past week. Oh, yeah, I've got more. But every one of those things were the acts of my life. I, I just didn't just cruise along like I had nothing to do. Listen, there are things that can be done in your home. We used to have an in-home ministry at Calvary, and uh, we ran it based on the newspaper. Well, the newspaper changed in how they gave us information. But we used to, we used to send a Bible in the mail or send a card in the mail congratulating a family who had a baby. If there was a marriage, we would congratulate the marriage, and we would offer them help, and we'd send them a tract about marriage. We, we did what's called in-home ministry, where we got the newspaper, and we had ladies in the church take those papers, and they would start sending out all these cards into the community from their home. There are so many ministries that we could do in-home, out of the home. What are my acts for the week? What did I get done this week? Not just what was I, but what did I do? And can I back that up with scripture? I believe so. So how does this develop and how does obedience come to be? So we're going to use an acronym. The first word is opening up to God. The first word is opening, opening up to God. How do I do that? Well, the way that we open up to God is we stop. We stop what we are doing and we open up our heart, which, by the way, is our mind. Most of the time, the word heart in the Bible is used. It means mind. You'll hear people say the heart and mind. They are the one and the same in most Greek definitions. And what we call this is we call this spiritual meditation. Did you know that a form of prayer, prayer is talking, prayer is singing something to the Lord, it's like a prayer to the Lord. But let me tell you what else is also prayer. Shutting our mouths. And instead of just telling God everything we want him to do, we shut our mouth and we literally sit in his presence. It's called meditation. Psalms 1 Verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. In other words, we just don't participate with the world. We have to be in the world. We have to love their souls because they're his creation. And we have to mingle with them properly and ethically and carefully so that we're not participating in their worldly ways but that our presence can be available to be another light, or to be a light, and to be another view. When I worked in the factory, 
in Michigan as a part-time job while passing the little church, I would go to this factory and boy, these, these guys, they, man, you think, you, you've heard of cursing like sailors? You ever hear that phrase? They curse like a sailor. Well, they, uh, they curse like sailors, if that's true, like that. But anyways, they just made fun of God. They made fun of the things of God. They, did, they were a tough bunch of guys <laughs> to work with. And uh, so I, 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 I was set at the table, and when they would laugh over a dirty joke, I wouldn't laugh. I mean, we were, but I did not want to eat with them because I wanted what? I wanted to have a light sitting at the table with them. So I made myself have to go through that. I rejected it in my mind and in my thoughts, but then I could usurp certain comments. I could say things. They would see me not laughing. So they started teasing me. They picked up on who I was and what I was. And one reason is because I let it be known. And the other reason is because they just saw I was so different than they were. But, you know, when I finally left that place, all these guys that gave me all these hard times making fun of me, the other guys that came up to me in private said, man, I'm going to miss you, guy. I'm going to really miss you, Pastor. It was amazing. So the witness was getting through. But you know what? It was getting through because there were doings. There were acts. I was doing things to stimulate it. They get it going. So what if they get mad at me? So what? They got something in them now that they can't get away from, and that was a positive feed, a positive seed that God can use to bring somebody else in their life. And after a while, they start thinking, oh, my goodness, there must be something to this. And then before you know it, some plant, some water, God gives the increase. So here's what verse 2 says. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, that's the Bible. Look up the word law in the, in the Hebrew. That's the Bible. He meditates day and night. He meditates day and night. One of the most uh, uh, effective things that I do in my course of the week is I, I go out and sit on the porch and I put Cooper out, let him run the yard. We have a fenced-in yard. Thank God he's a runner. If that gate's open, he's gone. And uh, so he's out there running around, chasing the rabbits, chasing the squirrels, chasing the birds, chasing the leaves, if one blows by him. And I'm sitting there, and I just sit in his presence. It's like I'm just vegetating in his presence, meditating on him. You know what that is? It's a form of prayer. It's a prayer connection. And I'll show you that later. All right? So let's go to number two for obedience. Believe in God. It's a believing in God. Here's what Hebrews 11.6 says. Now this is going to get complicated a little bit. Not in the ability for you to pick up, but breaking it down. It may sound a little, a little complicated. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, two things are really being taught here. Two things. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That phrase in itself is one of them. Please God. Now, let me get, let me get scary here. I know you're all saying, every one of us are saying, but I did please God this week. I was a good boy. I was a good girl. I prayed. I read my Bible. 
every day. I, I hope we did. Okay? I can't speak for you. I don't know. I did. I can say that. And so it sounds like it, the word please God, if I want to walk in God's will, then I'll know if I've walked in God's will if I've got a lot of acts to jot down by the end of the week in my little booklet. If there are no acts, I just let a week slip by as is. I did my job. I, did, I cooked, I cleaned, and went to work, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't put any acts of God in there other than I hopefully read my Bible and prayed and went to church, etc. Then, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say something very strong. Then we didn't please God. But, Lord, did we not cast out demons? But we didn't please God. Because this pleasing God has to do with the acts also that we do during the week. What am I doing to turn the tide in our church? What am I doing to turn the tide in our community? What am I doing? I feel constrained. I feel led. I feel I, feel I would be doing that lady I talked to on the phone in that school. <laughs> I felt like I would be doing wrong before God, if I didn't bring at least one book bag to this church to be delivered to that school. When did school start in that school? Is it the end of August or first week of September? Huh? Okay, so you got a good month, or just a little bit more, to work this book, book bag together. All right? Now, by the way, when you go to get the book bag, talk to the management of the store. Listen to me carefully. Whatever store you go to, talk to the management. Tell the management what you're doing. And ask them, are there any donations on this list that you could make to help the school? They're in great need. You might be surprised. We, the manager at Walmart, attended our church. He's home of the Lord now with COVID. He attended our church. I can't begin to tell you the stuff that he blessed the church with to help the poor and the needy. On Unbelievable. It helped because he went to our church and he had proof where it went. So he didn't mind as a manager blessing the church with stuff. Let the people, let the stores know what you're doing. See if they will bless you with some freebies. Show them the list. Show them the list. Walmart's been good about that. So, two things being taught here. Number one, a deep faith is being expressed in God. Right? For without it's impossible to please God without faith, okay? And number two, with, without it, we can't please God. So faith has got to be there to, in order to please God. And whatever God's word says is what pleases God. Did you hear me? If you have ought against your brother or sister and you haven't gone to them yet, then we're not pleasing God. If I'm going to them and say, hey, I owe you an apology, then we're pleasing God. If I'm not giving what belongs to the Lord on Sunday morning or other times, then I'm not pleasing God. But if I'm giving to the Lord, and I do, I'm a very faithful giver. When I give, that's an area I get to put in my axe, but I'm pleasing the Lord. Now we get in the picture. 
Okay? Now, twofold meaning. I can't spiritually please God by my beliefs alone. Just because I have a great theology, a great belief. Okay, that's great. But <laughs> number two, by my actions alone, I can't please God. Hmm. So I can't please God just with my faith, and I can't please God just with my actions. But I can certainly please God when I put works to my faith. So let me show you that. If you will turn to James chapter 2, verses 14 to 24, um, we're going to take a look at this. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 21. And I, I know you know what this says, but I, I'm going to read it. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? I'm going to call them acts, if you don't mind. That's what they are. Remember, the Greek word for is praxis, which meant the deeds of the apostles. So that doesn't refer to that. Can such faith save them? Wow. Wait a minute. Can such faith save them? You mean to tell me that faith in Jesus Christ alone is a, won't be enough to get to heaven? Are you ready for the truth? You want the truth? You want me to water it down like a lot of churches are doing today? You want the truth? Yeah, it does mean we won't be ready. If all I have is faith. I won't be ready when Jesus goes. You think you've got great faith and you can move mountains, but you're not out there doing something, you aren't going to go to heaven. Because Jesus said, he that does the will of my Father shall enter into my kingdom. That's who enters the kingdom. Those who have faith, who do the will of my Father. So yeah, if I walk out here and do nothing for God and I call myself a Christian, I'm scared for you at Judgment Day. I'll leave that in the hands of God. It's tough stuff, isn't it? When you pay attention to the word, instead of what somebody says, if one of you says to them, go in peace without clothes and daily food, <laughs> right? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, right? If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, here you go. Separated, if it is not accomplished, accompanied by action, is dead. Can you imagine all the faith that we say we have, but we're walking around dead? In the eyes of God, we're dead. In our eyes, we're alive and well. But in the eyes of God, our faith is dead. Because there's no works, there's no acts to write about at the end of the week. In the same way, faith in itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is, un is useless? Was that our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Folks, my faith isn't complete just because I say I've got faith. 
My faith is complete because I'm out there doing something to prove it, to live it. And you know what? I don't think God wants us to have the attitude, go out and prove to me you have faith. I just think that we go out and we prove we have faith because we want to do it, because we care. Because we care, not because God said that these words are there, but because we actually do care about the kids in the school. A blessing them. Changing their mind about Christians. Changing their mind about church people. We're, we are on the, we are up to, we are a target in our government today. They are against us 100%. Don't you think for one second, sorry to be a little bit political this morning, don't think for one second this country isn't trying to destroy, but, but, but destroy us. I'm telling you, they have a plan. God has a plan. We better start working it more than we ever have. And that's a prophetic statement from God's word. I'm just the messenger. This is God speaking. All right? So anyways, he goes on to say, uh, at the end, he, the same way, uh, he just said, as the body without the spirit says, so faith without deeds is dead. Wow. I don't want to be walking around dead faith. So, I can be spiritually pleasing God, and I can be showing it with my actions. That's what it means. Now, I don't mean for the first time someone quickly says, oh, I believe in God. When you say believing in God, oh, yeah, yeah, pastor, psh, yeah, I believe in God. Well, according to James, so do demons. So, you tell me if the demons believe in them. <laughs> oh, here we go. So I believe in God, but they're not experiencing God, all of them. That leaves an open thought as to how, how, how one could believe, how we could believe in God. And when James 19 said it spoke of the demons, that even they believed in God, but their faith was useless. So listen to this. If we show no evidence of our faith or obedience before God, then our belief is on the same level of the demons. We're all working together. So my faith can be no different than the faith of the demons that believe in God. So what breaks, what's the difference? Well, what is the demons doing? Ask yourself the question, what are the demons doing? I'll tell you what the demons are doing, they're working. <laughs> they are all over the place, they're in the atmosphere. Folks, they are all over the place. They are working hard. They are working hard. And, but if the church isn't working hard, if there's no acts to write at the end of the week, if that were, folks, we're in trouble. That means he's the one. They are the ones that are gaining ground in our society. That's why our society is so bad. Because the church laid back on their laurels. They got too comfortable, too, too laid back. Just complacent, lethargic. I'm going to be honest with you. I think the church got lazy for years. And that what God is doing to, to wake up the church is all the stuff's going on to try to use that to wake. So he's, he's allowing what the Bible said he's going to allow in the last days. And the last day of the Bible said there'll be terrible times. And he lists all the bad things that are happening right now. Uh, I listened to a podcast this week of a gentleman about his perspective on the AI, AI, automated intelligence, the stuff that's going on. And uh, everything this man said was biblically lined up to the T to the T, lined up biblically. 
That's the only reason why I kept listening, because he was right on scripturally. First thing I thought about was not what he said, but, but what did the Bible say about what he said? And he was spot on about end times. And uh, as I'm listening to this guy, he is making it very clear that this AI thing, along with some of the other things that's out in technology, is getting the people primed and ready to literally can't wait to stick their risk out to get the mark of the beast. Because they're being educated right now and conditioned right now. That's how close we are, folks. So anybody can say, I believe in God. So what are we saying is, belief in what God is going to show us. Here we go. What we're saying about believing in God that what we are saying is belief in what God is going to show us, believing, say believing, believing he is right. Regardless of what I think, regardless of what I feel, Samuel was trying to get through to Saul. So Saul thought differently. Saul felt differently. Saul ended up lying, convincing himself, lying. So, what God is looking for is what do I believe in, in him? Do I believe in God, that God is right? Not my friend, not this person, that person, not this thing, that thing, but is it God? Does it line up with his word? God wrote the words so we would have to put our faith in it. God wrote the word, so we'd have to put our faith in it. Now, I'm going to share something with you, and then we'll probably have to close. Oh, we will. Uh, so, I believe in a, what I call the 90-10 principle of the will of God. And, uh, but, Pastor, hey, I've asked God what his will is, and I don't get an answer. I, I've had people say, oh, I, don't, I don't hear from God. Well, what are you asking God for? What are you asking God to do? I'm going to stick my neck out. And I'm going to, I, you know that when you do a, an equation, 90, 10, it could be 85 and 15. I mean, it, but it's in that neighborhood. So it's in this neighborhood. I'm very confident that what I'm going to say is in the neighborhood. And uh, it may even be higher than I think. But here's what I'm saying to you. God says back to us. God, I've been asking you to do something. You're not doing it, Lord. Why, why am I praying about it, etc.? Depends on what it is. And God says back, but I have. It's in my word. You just haven't been reading it. I, I got to tell you, that my wife was sharing with me, she was talking to one of the ladies in our church that helped my wife for over 20 years in the productions. She was one of her key workers on her team. And this lady's been in our church for years, for years. And she wanted to get a Bible for uh, one of her sons. I think it was for a son. What Bible would you pick? So my wife guided her. And she had the Bible, and she was looking up, trying to find John 3.16. Now, you have to understand, we're a Bible church. And we teach. We're, we're a big teaching church, not just a preaching church. And she opened up the Bible and was looking for John 3.16 at the beginning 
of her Bible in the Old Testament. She said, "Hun, she never found it. I had to tell her. Been in the church over 20 years, a Bible-teaching, believing church, sitting in our services Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and couldn't find John 3.16. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know John 3.16 by now, where it is in the Bible, part of my English, you ain't reading it enough. We're just not reading it enough. So I would say 90% of what is, is we pray about a lot of times is already God's will. It's already been written about. But if we're not taking time to grasp it, we don't know it. It may be sticking my neck out with my colleagues when I say that, but I believe 90% of knowing God's will is in the Scripture. And I think that to obey it is to walk in that journey of obedience. You say, well, what's the other 10%? Well, the other 10% is... It's like, Lord, is it your will that I take this job? That may not be in the Bible. Now, you might read a scripture in the Bible that led you to think it might be, hey, this, this frees me up to, for I could, I could make this choice and be okay. You might read some scripture that's related to some things. But the, that 10% are, 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 listen, God is never going to give you something. He's never, listen carefully. He's never going to say something to you or I to be away or do something, but whereby his word will confirm it. Some way, somehow, it will confirm it. Does that make sense? When we can know his word and do it, we're walking in obedience. All right, I didn't get as far as I was going to get, but that's okay. We'll pick it up next week. Uh, I was... Um, and I'm going to probably have to squeeze an extra week. I don't know. I'll try, Chris, to rush through it to get it done, or we can take our time and learn something. It's up to you, buddy. Just let me know. Folks, get your book of Acts out. Get it ready tomorrow morning. Start jotting down the Acts of your life of faith. And starts with a D, deeds. And God will take that book he'll look it over he'll read it he'll observe it he'll notice it and then you know what you gave god you just gave god a chance to do something in his kingdom to turn this town upside down and everyone said amen, amen. god bless you praise the lord let's pray Father, oh oh yes i'll do that next week i have an illustration but we'll do that next week all right lord we thank you for today we thank you for your presence. We thank you for those who are here. And we just pray, Lord, and those who will listen by the uh, uh, technology method that the church, that, some people will, that people will listen to this message and, and that Christians will be stirred and that if there's an unbeliever that's listening, that they'll come to know you and see that they can't make it without you. Lord, if we have people in Matthew that were doing the work of the Lord and they weren't going to make it, then what's going <laughs> to happen to those who aren't doing anything for you? We know where they're heading to. And Lord, we wouldn't wish hell on anyone. Hell wasn't created for humans. It was created for the devil and the demons. But humans will go there because they reject you. And unfortunately, we're going to have people who claim that they've walked and done great things for God that aren't going to make it because they weren't doing your will. 
They weren't being in you. They weren't spending time with you. They, they, they weren't connecting and, and being intimate with you. And there's a price to be paid, Lord, if we walk out of here and we think we can just live life as normal and not do anything to begin writing in the book of Acts of what we're going to get done for you this coming week to help spread the gospel. Lord, help our folks as they put these book bags together for these kids. Let it speak volumes to the school that people do care. Undertake, we pray, Lord. Bless everyone. Keep them safe. Be with those who are on vacation and those who will be. And we'll give you glory, praise, and honor. And everyone prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you.